Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. As we get older, sometimes we use our age as a limiter for what we believe that we can achieve, especially when it comes down to health and fitness goals. But it doesn't have to be that way because you can get in shape and get healthy at any point in your life. You just have to make the decision to get started. And depending on where you are at in your aging process, sometimes you need to make some modifications so that you are successful. But there's always a modification that is available, so there really is no excuse to get started. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today I have Dave Sherwin on the show to teach us how to get started at any age with the health and fitness routine, and how to stay young and fit at those ages. So Dave Sherwin is a certified fitness and nutrition coach and founder of Dairobi.com. His passion is helping grown-ups navigate real-world health challenges and achieve their best health and wellness at any age. He's also the creator and host of the Dairobi Health Show, which is another podcast that you can go listen to which covers everything to do with health and wellness, including the latest in nutrition, exercise, supplements, and clinical studies. Now, if you enjoy this episode, I ask that you head on over to your favorite podcast app and leave a rating and review. That does really help the show to get out in front of more people, and it shows us what it is that you enjoy with with the show so that we can keep bringing that content to you. Now, let's dive into my conversation with Dave. Thank you, Dave, for coming on to the show. I am super excited to be here. I love the show and what you're doing. And so this is an honor for you to invite me and and let me share my story here. Of course. And I'm excited to, you know, chat with you a little bit more about how to stay young and fit at any age, especially since didn't you do a Spartan Beast recently? Can you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) About the Spartan Beast? It is what it says. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell you that for the, if you if those of you out there are interested in a Spartan, the beast is a beast. It's a it's a half marathon, so you're running 13 miles, but it is not uh, your typical half marathon. It and there's 26 obstacles and um, and 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 here's what's funny, Brian is is uh, like at the time I was in really good shape already because I've been doing triathlon for eight years. And I wanted to do an adventure race, and so I already had a good base of cardio. I, you know, I I was training long and hard. I was doing 15 hours a week of training, and so I just had to work on strength stuff. And so I actually went, and that's when I started CrossFit because I could work in CrossFit workouts with my endurance workouts, um, so that I could have the strength for these obstacles, like climbing walls, carrying like a 75 pound cement block for 50 yards. There's all these different challenges along the way, and um, like everyone else, I I tried to prepare for that the best I could. And then we get up there into the mountains and the first half mile was straight up the mountain. Not like a zigzag trail, not a shallow trail. I'm talking literally straight up the mountain. And within three, four, 500 yards, there was people throwing up at the side. Uh. <laughs> people who'd started sprinting up that thing who discovered very quickly that, oh, this is, this is not your normal half marathon. And then after that, you have all these brutal challenges. It's super satisfying though. I mean, you know, I guess there's only a certain psyche that thinks that like four hours of physical challenging hell is really cool, but that's that's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so it took about four hours to complete? 
It took me four hours, and I was very proud of that. Uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. I've had other people who've done it who's like, you did that in four hours, and you're like 48 years old, you know, like... Like, oh, okay. I, I had no idea because I'd never done one before, but apparently that was a pretty good time. So I, I'm proud of it. Yeah. And starting going straight uphill, that's a fast way to weed people out too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure and that there was, was a lot of people that dropped out. That was number one of the uphills. There was multiple <laughs> uphills after that. And and I'll tell you, I mean, there was times, I mean, on, on like maybe the fourth or fifth climb where I was hands and knees just crawling. I mean, it, it really does challenge you. But it's there's something really satisfying about being really heavily challenged physically right there's just something about our human nature that that finds real satisfaction in overcoming physical obstacles yep yeah we have a term for that we call it type 2 fun where it absolutely sucks in the moment <laughs> but when you look back at it and you have the stories you're like yeah i'd do it again yeah 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 that's that's a great way to sum up a, a Spartan. I'm not sure if they're they're going right now because of COVID, but hopefully uh, they'll be back again soon. And and for those listening, you know, if you ever if you're a runner, I, I think if you either have a running base, a CrossFit training type of a base, I think you need to have at least one element kind of. And they and they tell you don't don't like sign up for one two months from now that you know you want you want to prep for a year. Yeah. Um, now there's short and shorter Spartans, but if you're going to do the beast or the uh, the one that has a full marathon, um, you need a good year of, of training, uh, cardio, strength, uh, the whole bit. Yeah. Which speaking of that, so you said you did triathlons before the beast. Uh, what kind of got you into all this stuff? Well, you know, my story goes way back to when I was a teen. I was a really, really shy, backwards kind of a kid. I didn't have many friends. I was super um, I, I emotionally just totally a weakling. Like, I, I, I was a kid that my mom had to take me home on the first day of school because I was like crying. I was so upset to just be at school. So I was just like one of these kids that was that kid, you know. And in about sixth or seventh grade, a bunch of other kids were playing on the on the school playground in. And um, we're trying to dunk like, it's probably a seven foot tall hoop. They're trying to dunk like a softball. And I was like, can I try, you know? And I, and I was able to dunk the ball and they couldn't dunk the ball. And that's just probably because I was taller than them. But, but at the time, it was like the first time in my life where I had like this sense of accomplishment and doing something physical that was really cool. And I went on to take an, up basketball. I started playing basketball. And basketball became a really important part of my growing up. It's how I developed confidence. And I had to play in front of a crowd once I got to the high school level. And and uh, I was introduced to the gym and we had coaches that taught us about nutrition. And um, and so through this strength training and then, and then socially, I was a t part of a team. And so there was guys that would, would um, give me boosts of confidence, you know, and help me to overcome some of my like shyness and, and um, fear of playing in front of people and those types of things. So for me, that introduction to athletics as a, as a young boy really uh, set a base for um, my whole life of, of finding really great satisfaction in physical uh, training. And I played basketball until I was 40. Um, I would I'd play basketball three times a week and lift weights three times a week. And I stayed in terrific shape doing that very simple program. But uh, when I was 39, I started to realize that 
you know, I, I couldn't jump as high as I used to. I wasn't as quick as I used to be. And, and, and it was hard for me to imagine finding something as fulfilling because I loved basketball so much, but I knew I had to make a change. And a friend of mine had done a triathlon and told me it was so fun. And I was like, those sound miserable. I was thinking Ironman, you know, uh, swim 2.1 miles, bike 110 or whatever it is, run a marathon. I was like, that sounds terrible. He's like, no, 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 they have short ones. He goes, I just swam half a mile, bike 12 miles, ran a 5K. And I was like, that actually sounds pretty fun. And on my 40th birthday, I stopped playing basketball and I switched to triathlon. And, and what I found was that it, it wasn't near as disappointing as I thought. As much as I love basketball and couldn't imagine making a switch, I found just as much fulfillment in triathlon. I worked my butt off. Uh, I was a terrible swimmer, but I finally was able to win medals and podium. And I finally qualified for the nationals. And I, and I was able to do the Olympic distance triathlon at age 48. And I finished in the top 25%. Uh, percent. Of, of people. And it was so cool to know that tons of 20-somethings were behind me at the, as I crossed the finish line, right? <laughs> and so as, as you get older and you do things that are physically challenging and, and that it it's, can become even more satisfying to know that you're the old guy in the group and you can still beat those young pups. You know what I mean? There's a real satisfaction in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great motivation for sure. Yeah, and it's just, you know, and that's kind of the shallow side of it. I mean, obviously, the, the more meaningful part is the fact that you are in great shape and, and that you are uh, increasing your longevity and that you're, you're headed towards a course of being healthy throughout your life where many other people have already let their health go. I mean, I'm 56 uh, uh, next week, actually. I turn 56. And, um, and at my age, tons of friends that I grew up with have had their first heart attack already. They're on multiple drugs. I've got friends, close friends that I play basketball with that have died already. At, and, and to me, that's, it's really, really sad because I feel like I'm at the prime of my life. And yet many 50-something men have already completely let themselves go and they can't go out and do the kind of things that you talk about on your podcast. The adventure is gone. And to me, that's very, very sad. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like at least a lot of the people that I work with, um, you know, they they might have done athletics when they were younger and then life takes hold. Yeah. They, you know, start developing a career. They have families, all that type of stuff. And then they lose that time uh, to be able to go do those fun things that they used to do. Um, so it, it's amazing that you were able to still get in, you know, three days of lifting each week and three days of basketball, um, which means you must have made it a priority, I would assume. Yeah, it's just the first thing that I did. I played basketball at 6 a.m. I was getting up at 5.30, throwing on my, my clothes, went to the gym, warmed up. Uh, same thing. And and um, for for a lot of those years towards the end there, I had a friend, Trent, and him and I went and played at the same uh, gym. So we went and played basketball at one gym. And the next day, we went and lifted weights together. So having a workout partner for years, uh, that also was super helpful. And on days when you, because I'm, I'm not superhuman or anything like that. I mean, I have my exact same days as everybody else where I just don't feel like it, right? Um, where I could easily skip the gym and easily sleep in, easily not lift weights. Um, but um, but having a workout partner was... was uh, 
really helpful to me towards the end there of my kind of basketball career um, where I knew I had to pick him up. <laughs> He's going to be ready at 20 to 6. I had to pick him up go or vice versa, right? And so, um, so that was really helpful too for consistency. But yeah, uh, I find that starting my day, just making it the way I start my day. I mean, currently my, my current uh, morning plan is I walk my dog for 30 minutes. I meditate for 20 and I exercise. And those three things are non-negotiable. Like that's how I start my day. There are no other options, right? And every now and then life does get in the way. There's something that's going on early in the morning. My wife and I got to get ready, get out of the house and something's going to mess up my schedule. Um, and when that happens, those days aren't as good. It's just the way it is. Like when I have my morning routine, that I like I just described, it makes for a better day, makes for a better week. And uh, and so it's just I just do it right away. And, and, and one of the reasons I do that is because I, I have tried many, many times on certain days. Uh, I'm thinking about the next day. I'm like, man, it would make so much more sense to work out around dinner time or after dinner. And and every single time what happens when I rearrange my day to do that is I don't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You find other things get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. So for yeah. me, I've just learned, you know, for myself, I just have to do it and I have to start my day with it. And what I do, life is good. Yep. It is actually, it, that just popped in my head. It is pretty amazing because sometimes you wake up early and you go, I'm too tired to work out. I'll work out after work. And then by the time after work comes around, you're like, I'm too tired from the day. It's been a long day. I'm not going to work out. So the too tired thing is definitely a, a great excuse that people use all the time. Well, there's that and there's the hormonal thing. Um, uh, what happens is when you work out after dinner, you're, you're spiking cortisol at the exact time that melatonin should be kicking in, right? And so, and that's really bad for me. Like there was a, a while there that I played in uh, leagues in basketball and volleyball, okay? And those, of course, are almost always at night. And on game days, I didn't sleep very well. So if we had like a, a league game at like nine o'clock at night, okay? And I'd go out there and, and, and work hard for an hour in a volleyball game or basketball game. I would go home and just toss and turn. It was miserable. Um, and so that's the other thing for me physically is I'm not wired to exercise at night. It just kind of wigs me out, ruins my sleep. And so this other way of, of doing it all in the morning and then, and then at night just calming down, everything's just easy and I don't have to do anything, any hard work or anything. And then I, I sleep way better. Yep, for sure. Um, so for people that, you know, have had life kind of take over and they might not have exercised or done the activities that they've wanted to do for quite some time, how do you start easing people back into it and setting that time for them to, you know, be consistent with it? Well, the first way is I find so often that people who are in that situation for some reason, they have it in their head that what they've got to do is hit the gym, right? How many times have we heard that? Oh, it's time for me to hit the gym. I'm going to start a diet and I'm going to hit the gym. And they say it with this negative energy, like, oh, I have to hit the gym. And I tell them, you do not have to hit the gym. Like the very facial expression you're wearing when you tell me you're going to do that shows me you don't want to do it. What do you want to do? 
Like what physical, like one of the questions I ask people is, what physical activity did you love when you were a kid? And you know what happens is sometimes they light right up and go, oh, I love to ride my bike. I loved my bike. I would ride my bike everywhere. And then I, I rode on a, a team for a little while in college or I, I rode to work for a long time. I love riding a bike. Well, then freaking ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's funny because um, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, we have these mental blocks when we grow up that we think that the, we have to do something a way that everyone else did. We see Chris Helms workout. Uh, oh, he looks great. I want to look like Thor. Okay, what did you do, Thor? And then, you know what I mean? Like, or something. For women, it's probably someone else and whatever. There's different people that inspire us or whatever, whether it's a celebrity uh, or a friend who lost 40 pounds and got really, really in good shape. But to take that time to sit back and go, no, 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 I'm going to do it my own way. This is one of the beautiful things about growing up is that we could get to stop caring about what anyone else thinks or what anyone else thinks we have to do. And instead, spend that time to be proactive and go, what makes my heart sing? What would be fun? Maybe there's something you've never done, but you always wanted to. Maybe you wanted to be a swimmer. And so you maybe you're hitting the gym, but you're going to the pool. Maybe you take a class, a master's class on becoming a swimmer. Um, if you love to ride your bike, but it's winter, uh, you know, you could join a local rec center and hit the spin classes. Spinning is unbelievable. I mean, you talk about getting in shape. Um, the first the first hour long spin class you do if you've been out of shape is going to kick your butt. Um, but over time, you might find you really enjoy it. You find an instructor that you like and you don't even have to go to a gym. You can buy yourself a bike at Costco, right? A stationary bike, a rowing machine, and then just put an app up and follow a virtual instructor so that if you don't like being seen in your workout clothes in front of a bunch of other people, that's understandable. Just do it at home. So that's that's my advice is is uh this is not about anybody else it's not about making anyone else happy and if you don't like it you're not going to do it for very long so find something fun yeah totally um just like you said if there's something you don't like you're not gonna wake up early to do it it's not worth it to you you got to find that thing that you're passionate about or you enjoy doing, make it fun, and then you're more likely to continue with it. Yeah. And and even saying that, um, it's funny because I still do plenty of workout movements that I don't like, and yet overall I find satisfaction. I'll give you an example. Um, the workout that I, that I did this morning it was uh, 10 minutes on my rowing machine. You know, this... We're sitting here in my uh, my <laughs> office slash gym, okay? So I've got a, a Concept D rower here, which I use a lot. And I don't love rowing. I really don't, but I love what it does for me. And so it's kind of a love-hate relationship. I know that if I take, uh, this morning I didn't have much time for my workout. So I did a 10-minute Apple Fit workout with their rowing instructor. So I put my iPad on the machine, I hit play, and in 10 minutes you wouldn't even believe what a great workout you get. And then after that, I did ten minute a ten minute hit workout, which was a combination of of um, thrusters. So I got a, a kettlebell in each hand, do a thruster, and then lift with one arm and then the other. Um, and then I did bicycle crunches, and I did um, I don't remember one other leg and, uh, exercise. And um, um, what's the what do you call the exercise when you're in a uh, plank and you bring knee to elbow, right? Oh yeah, yep, yep. 
Okay, so I did a, cir a circuit of four exercises along those lines. Now, do I love doing thrusters? No. <laughs> and, and, so, and so it's kind of a combo. It's not like you'll love every aspect of everything that you do in your fitness plan. But did I like the, the workout overall? Yeah, I did. I did, and I felt good after. And so, and so it's not like you have to absolutely love the fitness thing that you're doing, but at least start there. Try to find movements you enjoy. And then from there, if you do them long enough, I found, um, Brian, that there's, I find there's a magic to 90 days. I think almost anyone can change their life in 90 days. And if you start a new fitness routine, you may not enjoy it that much um, and even hate it for the first month. And then the second month, your body's starting to adapt and you're starting to feel better. But in 90 days from now, you might never, ever go back. It might be all that you needed to go from that sedentary person that you had become for a few years to becoming an athletic beast, right? And feeling really good about yourself and achieving your goals and losing some weight and starting to feel that great um, energy that comes from being an athletic person who exercises every day. Um, and so a lot of health habits suck before they're enjoyable. That's yep. true um, with uh, nutrition. Uh, changing to a new diet uh, can often be negative first. It's true with some supplements. There are some supplements that your body needs. And if you've been deficient and you start taking them, you actually have diarrhea-like symptoms for the first few days maybe. Or you maybe even get a headache. Or quitting caffeine. Um, um, same thing. You, you might uh, have a headache for three days uh, before you get better. So... So there's a combination of finding what you love, but also understanding that change can cause pain at first. And you have to have that vision that 90 days from now, you're going to be so much happier with yourself. Your life, your quality of life is going to go up. You're going to feel better. You're going to sleep better. You have all these great benefits that come. And so you have to carry that vision long enough to, to get through the pain. Yeah, a lot of the research now is showing that the the 21 days to form a new habit thing is not accurate at all. And if that was the case, I think it's like 90-some percent of people have gone on a diet before, and we can look around and tell those 90-some percent still are not following that same diet. So if it did only take 21 days to create a new habit, I think we'd all be a lot healthier. But it does seem like that 90 days, like you said, is a very good foundational approach. Uh, that first month, you're starting to get into the rhythm. The second month, you're definitely in that rhythm. That third month, you're it's now a part of your routine. And once it's part of that routine, then it's a lot easier to maintain. And when it comes to like things getting easier too, I, I like to call it um, setting your baseline. So once you set your baseline, uh, whether it's you know your fitness level or like how you're eating, um, et cetera, once you set that baseline, it doesn't take very much for you to maintain that baseline. And if you do have something like a Spartan Beast that's coming up, then you can adjust that baseline to be able to prepare for that. But at least you have that baseline that you've already established, which is beyond the this sucks portion of the getting back into a routine. Um, once you fall below that baseline and have to try and reestablish it, that's the part where you're like, this sucks. This isn't fun. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for anyone who's thinking that 90 days sounds long, just think back 90 days. 
Okay, 90 days ago, if you would have started a new positive habit, does that feel like it was really that long ago, 90 days? I mean, 90 days goes by like, you know, the snap of a finger. And so it's just not that long. Um, we, ha we have too many promises in the marketing world of health, like, you know, six-pack abs in six weeks and um, lose this much weight in, in, in this many days and, and so on. And it's tough because some people can. I've had plenty of customers lose 30 pounds in 30 days, tons of them. I've helped people lose 100 pounds. I've helped lots of people lose 50, 40, 30, you name it. And some of them lose it really, really fast. And I love it when they come back to my website and they go, hey, we use your pounds and inches drops. We did your un your Dairobi Undiet. And it was so great. And it was pretty easy. And we ate delicious food. And I lost 30 pounds. And I'm like, that's really, really cool. But guess what? Someone else comes along and reads that testimonial and goes, man, I'm going to do that. And they do it. And they don't lose 30 pounds. And maybe they lose five in the first month. And so now they're all discouraged. And they might think, well, I got ripped off. That stuff doesn't work. Well, it's just going to take longer. Now, I get it because I have one of those bodies that doesn't transform very quickly. I mentioned how I started basketball. And when I got old enough, uh, maybe 15 probably, uh, I got to a good enough level where the coach had us working out. Right? I started to learn about lifting weights. Right Now, we all hit the gym together. And after like 90 days, I had friends that looked muscular. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, you look good. I didn't look any different. I was still the scrawny kid, right, who hardly looked different at all. If I want to put on muscle, I got to dedicate myself and work really, really hard because that's just how my body is. And so uh, the fact is there's genetics to all of this, how fast we lose weight, how fast we gain muscle, how fast we change. There's genetics to what we eat. Some foods affect, some people are, are lactose intolerant, some people are not. Some people uh, do well on a Mediterranean diet and some people can't eat dairy. Um, some people do really well on, uh, as a vegan and, and others, you know, they'd be falling apart in two years if they, they kept a strict vegan lifestyle. And so there's a certain amount of, of experimentation and a certain amount of patience where we stop worrying about how long it's gonna take and instead, we worry only about what we do today. In the end, almost all the people who bite off huge health goals um, have to quickly get to a point where they stop thinking about the huge health goal. And um, what, what I find in health is that good health looks boring. Um, being really healthy is not exciting. It, it's just getting up, exercising. Um, eating the salad instead of the Big Mac. It's uh, getting a good night's sleep. It's drinking water instead of soda. It's drinking less alcohol. It's taking less drugs. And, and when you watch a healthy person live their life, it's boring. <laughs> it's, it's not exciting. It's just, but it's just small decisions made all day long that are different than the unhealthy person's uh, decisions. And so uh, sooner or later, people have to arrive in that place where they, they realize, okay, I might not have six-pack abs in six weeks, but I'll have six-pack abs eventually if I act this way on a daily basis. Yep. 
for sure. Now, um, when you see people that start getting into, you know, a fitness routine and start getting healthier at um, older ages, are you noticing that, you know, they're, if they're out of shape and all this stuff, they're probably not eating correctly either. So as you're trying to make these adjustments, what are some of the nutrients that you see people need more of to get a good kickstart in the right direction? I think one of the best things um, people can do for themselves is make sure they get five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day. That's foundational. Um, the average American gets something like 2.3 servings of, of fruits and vegetables per day, and 80% of those are corn, potatoes, and carrots. And making a shift there in that arena where you start to get green leafy vegetables, where you start to get different colors of vegetables, when you add in some peppers and uh, you try to add in a salad every day or maybe a green smoothie and uh, in green powder, cheat if you want to. I cheat. I, I, I try to eat a lot of vegetables, but I also use greens powders, these modern uh, freeze-dried greens powders. They, these companies can take many, many different types of, of greens, put them into a jar for you, and you just take a scoop and add it to your drink, right? So a combo of, of that and eating real whole foods is really, really important. We fashioned our Mimi's Miracle Multi uh, on all the biohacking science. So to answer your question about you know the, the ingredients, well, so I'd say your, your food is obviously your starting point. You, you've got to get your diet. There's no, there's no use working on supplements and, and, and peripheral things. Uh, think of your body like a car, right? Like say you were restoring an old car, okay? Uh, you don't start by just taking a can of spray paint and spraying it over the rust, right? You start with the engine. And to me, the way you start with the engine of your body is with good nutrition, sound nutritional principles. Um, but then... Uh, the biohacking industry is approximately 10 years old, where people have really been seriously uh, giving blood samples and finding out what they're deficient in and micronutrients and zoochemicals and, and vitamins and everything, right? And, and what I did, I was really interested in this and, and the corollary research that multivitamins don't do much good for people. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but uh, there's no evidence that your average multivitamin extends life or makes life better. Uh, and many of them, because the quality of the nutrients isn't there, don't even fill in deficiencies. And I did two years of research in this. I even incorporated a, 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 a PhD chemist and a PhD nutritionist to figure out this puzzle. And that's how we formulated Mimi's Miracle Multi, which is my supplement answer to those things you won't get from your diet that would really help you as a grown-up to get everything uh, that you need, including things that most people from all the biohacking info were deficient in. Now, keep in mind, most biohackers are generally fit. These are people that are normally healthy and want to get to a high level. They're normally not sedentary people who want to get to the average level, if you see what I mean. They're generally healthy eaters that are interested enough to spend $500 on a blood test. But what we found is 76% of them are deficient in vitamin D. Uh, similar percentage was deficient in zinc. Uh, chromium is a mineral that you don't get. Uh, your body doesn't produce it and it doesn't store it. There's some elements like B12. Our body is awesome at handling B12. Uh, I can give you a week's worth of B12. You can take it all right now and your body will dispense it as it needs to for the next week. It's the same with omegas. Omegas can be taken in large doses. Your body will store them and disperse them throughout the body into the right cells at the right time. 
but other elements don't work that way at all, uh, including chromium. Then there's some cool elements that are just, you know, give us uh, the extra energy or uh, mental clarity. CoQ10, maca are two of those that we've put in our Armenia's Miracle Multi. So for those interested in that subject, you know, take a look at uh, dirobi.com and our, our multi. Look at the ingredients we put in there because we specifically formulated it to fill in deficiencies that are tough to fill in uh, from diet. Um, water, <laughs> I, I could have started with water. Uh, most people drink too much of the wrong stuff and not enough water. So there's a, a great simple tip right there. Uh, I, I notice you're drinking from you and I am too. This is full of water, right? Yep, same. Yeah, and, and keep your bottle with you. Get yourself a nice insulated bottle to keep your water cool, carried around with you, and get half your body weight in ounces. If you weigh 150 pounds, half of your body weight is 75, you should be getting about 75 ounces. It's a good rule of thumb. Um, and so water, vegetables, um, supplementing the stuff that's hard to get from food, um, uh, fitness on a daily basis. But you know the saying, uh, Brian, that... Um, good abs are made in the kitchen. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's an 80-20 thing. I think that 80, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I got to hit the, I want to get healthy. I'm going to hit the gym. But it's kind of not really that way. It's better to start in the kitchen. I want to get healthy. So I'm going to eliminate the crud I'm eating and I'm going to really ramp up healthy foods into my diet. Yeah, another thing I like is you can't out-train a bad diet. Yeah. Yeah, you really can't. And and back to what I said about trying to find a workout routine that's either fun, or if not exactly fun, the other explanation I gave to you is at least satisfying, okay? Take a similar approach with your food. There's no reason that you have to eat food you don't like. Um, if you're really intentional, I'll give you an example. I don't love vegetables. I've never loved vegetables, but I want those five to nine servings a day. And it took me a long time to finally get smart and go, wait a minute. Do you know what I love? I love roasted vegetables. Every time someone serves roasted vegetables, either at a restaurant or, or if my wife makes them or my mom makes them or whoever, I love them. And then I thought, well, why, why don't I just make them that way? So guess what? A couple times a week now, I'll take two big cookie sheets and I'll chop up a ton of vegetables and I'll roast two cookie sheets. And by the way, if you do it in a convection oven and it gets it that, that nice caramelization on the outside of the vegetables, and I use some mm. avocado oil and some Trader Joe's flavoring, and I absolutely love those vegetables. It's like candy. It's so delicious, right? And so now uh, I have found a way to take something I don't love and prepare it in a way that makes it really uh, tasty. And for everyone listening, those are the little things you want to do. You want to, you want to figure out how you can go to the kitchen and have tasty, healthy food. Uh, because if, if you're having to force yourself to eat the diet you're supposed to eat, it's not sustainable. And guess what? One of the other beautiful things about growing up and getting older and getting more mature is we we realize how how great life is right like like it, it's awesome to be alive to be healthy um uh to be able to to live in free countries like most people listening do right and and we want our lives to be fulfilling and satisfying 
And so that'll only, and food is a basic part of that. And so we've got to figure out how to eat nutritious food that we love. We've got to stop this fight between us and food. There should be no fight. Uh, there should be a love relationship where like, we're enjoying this delicious food, right? And um, we live in a day and age where that's easier than ever to do because we have celebrity chefs on YouTube. We have some of the best chefs in the world will show you how to make anything. And so all you got to do is sit down and take a list of, go to Google and Google uh, vegetables, right? Vegetables in North America, vegetables in whatever country you live in, right? And then go down the list and just make, oh, okay, I like that one. I don't like that one. I like this one, blah, blah, blah. And figure out all the ones you like and go to YouTube. How to prepare blank, how to prepare roasted vegetables, how to prepare sweet potatoes and, and get creative. Uh, African peanut stew is one of my favorites with sweet potatoes and, and peanuts. Delicious. Um, and so now I'm, I'm eating something that's super nutritious and I like it. So that, that's a really important part. Again, just like I said with the people who kind of want, feel like they have to hit the gym even though they don't want to, it's the same concept with food. You got to figure out how you walk into your kitchen and enjoy the preparation and the eating of food that's nutritious. Um, and and then then you'll find oh this isn't this isn't that that hard and it's delicious rather than being a fight every day. Yeah, we have it so easy. All you have to do is go a couple blocks to a grocery store. You can grab whatever food you want and bring it back home, make it real quick, and then you're good to go. You don't have to go and hunt down a boar out in the woods that's thirty miles away. You don't have to gather a bunch of plants and wait for the perfect season for those. It's already been done for you. You just got to put a little bit of time and effort into figuring out how to make them in a way that you enjoy them and then just make sure they get into your system somehow. Yeah. And, and uh, I find that uh, taking a one day a week is really helpful to that. So if Sunday is my food prep day, for example. And if I don't prep food on Sunday, I'm at least planning out what I'm going to be eating that week. So like right now I've got some uh, frozen hobo beans, you know, beans and legumes are really healthy for you. And I'll load them up with onions and, and good sauces. And, and, um, and I'll make a, I made a big instant pot of those last week, put them in little freezer containers, put them in the freezer. And I just get those out and thaw them and it's ready to go. Um, um, and so, uh, I, same I love stew. I mentioned the African peanut thing. Um, I don't love salad. I never have. And so I get my vegetables other ways. Um, and so, but having a day where you at least kind of think through your shopping list, um, three or four large meals you could prep that are healthy, that you could then just heat up. Uh, that's a really healthful, a healthy habit for uh, making sure that, that, that you eat healthy. I love uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Body. Have you read that one? I haven't, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, one of the concepts he has in there is that that uh, um, variety is overrated. Now, I don't want anyone to carry that too far. I'm not saying that you can live off of beans and rice, for example, and, and be super healthy. But he says that in our modern society, uh, you could pick uh, a handful of meals that are super nutritious uh, that already have quite a bit of variety in them. Um, soups or stews 
uh, different varieties of beans together, for example, as sides. And you can come up with just three or four or maybe five go-to lunches and dinners and actually really enjoy those for years and years and years. And so sometimes we add too much complexity to our health equation. Uh, even if you could just identify three, four, maybe five uh, go-to healthy meals, you might be surprised how long you go without getting sick of those. Yeah, you're eliminating the decision fatigue that you run into when you have too many options. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Well, Dave, is there any final things you want to make sure that we touch on when it comes to um, staying fit and healthy as we age? You know, I've been doing this since 2009. And um, and as I found my customers uh, having their struggles and I've done coaching with them, um, what I found is a lot of people don't have a good plan. Uh, they're looking for a good plan and, and they'll, they'll bounce from keto to paleo to Mediterranean, they, all these buzzwords, you know, but then they never, it doesn't incorporate fitness. It doesn't incorporate the whole picture. And I finally wrote the Dairobi Undiet Guide. And I'd recommend that to people. I haven't had a chance to go into it in detail, but it's just a 10 page PDF with lots of pictures. It's really easy to read, <laughs> uh, but that's free on our website, dirobi.com, D-I-R-O-B-I.com. So I would point people to that. It's got the seven health principles that we teach all of our clients. And I'd love for people to download and read that because I feel like it's a really strong, solid plan that's not that hard to do. And so I'd recommend that. Um, and otherwise, uh, I'm a big fan of keeping things simple. You know, coming up with a simple plan doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to take many hours. I told you about my workout this morning. That was 20 minutes. You know, in 20 minutes, I had an incredible workout. I was really worked. Um, and so I, I think that uh, we, we tend to sometimes think it's going to take a long time or it's going to be hard. It doesn't have to. So those are a few, a few final thoughts that I have. Perfect. Well, people can find more about you at dirobi.com. You also have a 10% coupon for all my listeners by using the coupon summit. And uh, what are some of the products that you have there? Um, we don't have many. We try to keep our store very, very tight. So it has really meaningful and good, good products. So there's not a whole lot, but we have everything we think is really important. We have our multi that I already talked about a little bit. We also have a, a top a product that's a top seller on Amazon uh, called Mimi's Miracle Minerals. And, our, our, and it has over 70 trace minerals. And so our multi and mineral combo is a really great thing to try if people are looking for a, a really high quality functional set of um, base supplements. Um, another top seller we have, we have actually have the top selling fr uh, uh, malabsorption product on Amazon. It's called Eat Anything RX. Now, I don't have absorption issues happily, but millions of people do. After they eat, they feel bloated, gassy, pain, whatever. It's a very common thing. And that product, Eat Anything, is one your listeners might really be interested in if they have negative symptoms after eating. Uh, this is especially true if they have negative negative symptoms after eating healthy food. That just shouldn't happen, but it does. And uh, and so Eat Anything Rx is a phenomenal product. Um, our glutathione product uh, is a great product for uh, immune boosting the immune system. And then we have some third-party products that we've carefully vetted. Uh, we have a medical-grade protein uh, that I really like, and it's it, it has no flavor. You can even add it to a child's bowl of cereal 
in their milk and they won't even know it, but they're getting a healthy serving of protein. So that's cool. There's no, no flavor to it. Um, and then a plant-based omega. Um, so that's a few examples of, of some of the products that we've, we either make or if we're not going to make it, we, we vet for what we think are the highest quality, best of breed um, so that we have a, a lineup that's effective. That's my main thing is, you know, you go, you do the, that biohacking and find your deficient vitamin D, chromium, whatever, zinc. Um, and then you take our Mimi's Miracle Multi and get another test. It will fill the deficiencies. That's what we're all about. We're, we're about effectiveness that, that, that a biohacker would come to us and use our products and then get their next test in six months and actually prove to themselves that they work. Yep. And the nice thing is, um, like the quality of your products is great too. You've had third party testing done on it. Mm -hmm. So everything you see on the label is exactly what's actually in that product, which a lot of companies cannot say theirs are the same way. Um, so yeah, the quality aspect as well is makes a huge difference. Yeah, that that's really a great point. And it's not just not just verifying that what is in the product is in the product. It's choosing the best form of the product. A lot of people don't know that there's different forms of vitamin D and of vitamin C. And all of these things can be sourced from from very inexpensive ingredient providers or very high quality ingredient providers. And we we pride ourselves on only putting the highest quality form of every type of ingredient in our products. And that that really does make a difference. Awesome. And you're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I appreciate the information that you shared. And hopefully some people will get some motivation from this to you know, start a routine and get started learning how to really optimize and utilize their kitchen uh, to help get themselves fit and healthy. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been great. That was a lot of fun having that conversation with Dave. And I really enjoy talking with other podcasters because we can go down rabbit holes and see where it takes us. And we can still stay on topic and uh, stick to the outline that we had planned for the episode. And talking with Dave, we were able to cover a lot of different content. So hopefully that is helpful for you, especially if you are trying to figure out how to stay young and fit at any age. Again, if you want to learn more about Dave, head on over to dirobi.com, which is D-I-R-O-B-I.com. And that can be found in the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 176. Next week, I have Jason Earl on the show. Let's go learn who he is and what we'll be talking about. Jason, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? I have a... Uh, a habit of rescuing plants tell me more that sounds intriguing it seems like every place that i move into someone has plants that uh need a home uh and oftentimes they're struggling and so uh i have and and i moved them from new york city even we i've inherited orchids that i nursed back i've got a, a whole a, a whole legion almost a, a small forest that i've cultivated but they're all rescued um and that's something very few people know. so you got yourself a green thumb over there i like to grow things <laughs> what will we be learning about in our interview together i hope that people realize that mold is a normal part of life and it's up there with death and taxes. It's a guarantee. 
it's, it's something that everybody should be aware of because if you haven't had a mold problem yet, you probably will. And if you have a little bit of foundational knowledge about how to handle it, you can deal with it intelligently and less expensively and less hazardously. Water damage is cheap to deal with. Mold is not. What are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Greens. Anything with chlorophyll. Uh, anything that's got color in it. Um, more plants, like Michael Pollan says. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Yep. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Well, for me... Uh, it was uh, identify your number one thing. So what I mean by that is, uh, what's your kryptonite? Everyone's got something. Everyone's got either a behavioral disorder or or, or a, a bad habit or repetitive a repetitive behavior that troubles them. Whether it's alcohol or sugar or TV or shopping. My suggestion is, uh, for me, it was alcohol. I'm I, I'm, I'm uh, sober now. Four years coming up uh, in about a month. That was my number one thing. I've got a new number one thing now, uh, but but the, everyone's got a number one thing. Identify that number one thing and work diligently on that. Um, that's 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 a that's a lifetime because I think we'll always have a number one thing. We're always seeking distraction. That's human nature, um, and sometimes it's uh, more damaging than others. The uh, the other thing is uh, daily meditation, a, a mindfulness practice. Uh, that has been a game changer for me. Uh, just taking the even if it's ten minutes, even if Five minutes, uh, but taking time for silence, uh, creating more space between um, your stimulus and response. You know, there's a quote that I have on my wall. So in between stimulus and response, there is a space, uh, and within that space lies your power of freedom and choice. And I believe that meditation gives you that view into that and allows you to explore that more. It's a, it's a, it's a real gift, and it's a, it's a daily practice that that's truly cumulative. Um, and then the third thing is invest in your indoor air quality. It's one of the few things that you have true control over. Um, you know, in a world where we have very little control, uh, especially right now where we're seeing just so many things going on in the world that we're just, I mean, who knows what's going on with this, with Putin and everything else. We have so little control if you're honest with yourself. But the indoor environment is a place where you have almost unbridled control. Uh, and indoor air quality in particular has a very high dividend. If you invest in that, it, pay, it pays. It pays in terms of health and vitality and resilience and all the things we talked about. And the penalty for not investing in that is also quite, uh, quite uh, powerful. You know, reduced life expectancy, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, all the things, depression. All of the data around poor indoor air quality is, is is kind of shocking. There's 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 data that shows that food is the number one cause of chronic illness. There's data emerging that shows that air may be a very very close second. So investing in indoor air quality, meaning get yourself good air filters, HEPA filters, get yourself good humidity gauges and pay attention to that. And then if you're concerned about potential mold in your house, get tested. Mold is a huge topic to talk about, and it's perfect timing to discuss it when we are entering the wetter seasons of the year with springtime. So it's definitely an episode to listen to if you want to learn how to protect your home from mold growth and different signs to look for that might indicate that you do have mold growing in your house. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.